Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. On this episode, Editor-in-Chief Teresa Moulton talks with Dr. Linda Hoops, a writer and consultant with 25 years in the profession. She founded Resilience Alliance in 2007. I'm sure today you'll enjoy this discussion about resilience and prosilience. Welcome to the Change Management Reviews podcast. Today we're really happy to welcome Linda Hoops to our expert interview, and she's going to be sharing some information with us about resilience as well as prosilience with her new book. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about Dr. Linda Hoops. Dr. Linda Hoops has spent more than 25 years helping organizations build their change capability. Her Atlanta-based firm, Resilience Alliance, has equipped internal and external change practitioners across the globe with tools and materials to help their clients learn to thrive in turbulence. After seven, several years as a college professor, Linda worked with change expert Daryl Connor in research, consulting, and management roles for more than 15 years and founded Resilience Alliance in 2007. Linda recently published her second book, Prosilience, Building Your Resilience for a Turbulent World. In addition to her work on resilience, she writes and consults on various change-related topics. She is also a musician, photographer, and sailor, and is also a licensed as a massage therapist. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Dr. Linda Hoops. Hi, Terry. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. I I mean, um, for those of you who are listening, um, I met Linda through uh, Daryl Connor and um, was aware of her work from some of the uh, resilience work that she had done with him, and then she's just like the resilience guru now. So we were happy to get a hold of her and learn about, um, you know, what we can do to strengthen the muscle for ourselves as well as within our organization. Um, so why don't we go ahead and get started. Um, Linda, you know, what's new in the world of resilience? And maybe start out kind of defining a little bit about what you mean by resilience. Sure. So resilience is, I think of resilience as the ability to deal with high levels of turbulence and disruption while maintaining high levels of well-being. So mm-hmm. that could be organizational change. It could be other kinds of challenges that are going on in life. But it's that ability to, you know, some people think think of it as bouncing back. Uh, Some people are able to grow through challenges. At a minimum, resilience helps you reduce the amount of harm that comes from some of the the troubles that might come your way. Mm, That's great. And uh, what is new in in the world of resilience? Uh, You know, we read a lot about it, but... I don't think I know anyone else who's been tracking the evolution of the of the field or the concept. It's interesting. It's a field that's been around for a long time, but it's gotten a lot more popularity lately. And I think a couple of the things that people are talking about are, one, Sheryl Sandberg's new book, Plan B, I think it is, about mm-hmm. the death of her husband and bouncing back from that. that. That's gotten resilience, a lot of visibility. Another thing that people are talking a lot about is an idea that I think is related to resilience, although they're not exactly the same thing, and that's this idea of grit, which is about being able to continue, you know, to persevere in the service of goals that are important to you. And I think people are talking about that in terms of how how young people develop develop that. I think that's part of the picture. 
And for me, one of the, the things that's new is really focusing on the role that energy plays in resilience and how a strong energy supply helps fuel the resilience that we naturally have. So when you're talking about energy, are you talking about, like, physical energy, or are you talking about, you know, like, uh, raking energy? <laughs> so so there's a there's a framework that I uh, like, which talks about physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energy. Okay. So some of the kinds of challenges we meet call for physical energy, and some call for some of the other kinds of energy, but they're all interconnected. Mm-hmm. That's great. So say more about um, about ener- the energy uh, component of resilience and, you know, what's really coming out for us to learn about. What's interesting is that many of the challenges that we face call for us to close gaps. So resilience, when we meet challenges, uh, organizational change is one great example. There's a gap between our expectations and reality. And so when we try to close that gap, we we use energy to to fix things, to learn things, to get over emotions that are problematic, like anger and fear and all of that. And so there's a lot of wisdom that's coming out about how we can replenish that energy, how we can build that energy. And what I'm finding really interesting is the role of leaders and organizations in that. So I've been spending some time thinking about the role that leaders play in creating an environment that supports human energy sustainability. Uh, just think, for example, about what it, what people serve to eat at most meetings. You know, it's like bagels and cream cheese and all of that, as opposed to something that might be healthier. You know, does the working environment give people a chance to get up and move around? So those are just some examples from the physical energy realm. You know, is it okay for people to talk about negative emotions? Uh, do leaders have the skills to help people work through some of the emotions that they feel? All of those things make a difference in how well people can supply themselves with the energy they need to deal with challenge. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. And as change uh, management practitioners, you know, we're all always looking for a way to help people cope with uh, change. And um, often people talk about change resistance versus change resilience. And, you know, that's more negative where what you're talking about is building uh, the capacity to actually handle more Mm -hmm. turbulence, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And actually, you know, I don't think of resistance as the opposite of resilience. Okay. I think of I think of the opposite of resilience as being brittleness or fragility or easily under pressure. And I think we all go in and out of resilience all the time. I know that there are days when I'm much more resilient than others. There's some days, you know, if somebody looks at me cross-eyed, I want to break into tears. And there are other days when I'm when I'm really ready to take on you know, challenges that I've never taken on before. I think resistance, and you know this, is is a natural human response to change. It's, mm-hmm. it's the emotions that come up and the thoughts that come up when we are uh, presented with something that doesn't feel good or comfortable to us, sometimes for very good reason and sometimes just because it's change. And mm-hmm. so I think resilience does help us move through those responses and reactions more effectively but I don't think that people who are less resilient are necessarily more likely to be resistant to change. It's more a question of how they deal with the resistance that comes up and how effectively they can they can process that. Right, and how conscious 
So that makes sense. So it's almost like relating to resistance on how much energy has been consumed uh, mm-hmm. by having the resistance. And um, that's where resilience, you know, really can pump, maybe provide you with more energy so that when something happens that, you know, where you have a resistance reaction, you have more in your, um, I guess you have more capacity. Absolutely. That's that's very well stated. Cool. Well, that helps me a lot. Um, so your book is on prosilience. So tell us about the difference between prosilience and resilience. Resilience is about how we respond. So we, something happens and we respond to it. Uh, one of the books that I read a little while ago was Unbroken, which talks about the Louis Zamperini story of being mm. a prisoner of war and all of that. And his resilience showed up in how he responded once that challenge came up. But there's got to be a backstory there. You know, there's something about how he built that capacity so that it was there when he needed it. And that's what prosilience is about. Prosilience is about intentionally and proactively taking steps to build your resilience muscles. And so I believe that we can use everyday challenges, small challenges, uh, you know, annoyances, whatever, as resilience practice. So mm-hmm. in Atlanta, it could be traffic. It could be dealing with a cranky person at a, you know, behind the counter this person. And rather than just giving in to our impulses to swear and curse and whatever, if we can view that as resilience practice and say, oh, this is a chance for me to practice calming myself. This is a chance for me to practice looking for the positive here. This is a chance for me to practice thinking about what's most important or coming up with creative options. It, it, it really gives us a, an opportunity to build our muscles so that when the bigger challenges come along, we've done our brain. We've done some of the habit building that enables us to respond more effectively. Yeah, that's great. And it's not something, you know, it's not, it's, what I like about it is it it gives you a way to think about self-care and well-being um, ahead of time. So you actually can prepare uh, for the situations where you, you may not, you know, be aware that they're coming and and have more in your coffer. Absolutely. And I think for people who are internal consultants and practitioners or external consultants and practitioners for that matter, there is a role that we can play in encouraging and coaching other people to do that as well. So we can help other people see small challenges as an opportunity to prepare for larger ones. This is also true for parents. Parents have a role in building the resilience of their kids by enabling them to encounter and overcome small challenges. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. And so um, what type of research have you done to look at the impact of resilience on business outcomes? I've been very fortunate that about once or twice a year, I get a graduate student who will come to me and say, hey, can I use your personal resilience profile in my research? And oh, so nice. we've had people, yeah, we've had people do master's theses and doctoral dissertations on any number of things. We <laughs> had we had one guy at a uh, large uh, Fortune 500 company who had a lot of resilience data um, from their sales department, and he was able to show in his thesis that the managers who had higher resilience had departments that recovered more quickly from a financial downturn in, uh, that affected their, their sales group. 
So he, he did a thesis on that, and they also showed some employee survey results about how people were seeing the organization's um, willingness to help them with change as a result of, of having done some resilience work. We've found that resilience is associated with adjustment to college life for international students. We've Ooh. found some elements of resilience that are related to um, performance in, of all things, a prayer call center. So, so people who, who answer the phone and pray with people for a living um, perform better when they are stronger on certain elements of resilience. So there's all kinds of interesting findings that we've got. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. And, you know, where, where do you think in, say, a change management project, uh, where, where are some opportunities for change managers to really use some of their coaching skills or interactive skills to help people better cope with um, negative impacts? That's a great question. When, where I see people uh, investing in teaching people about resilience or working with resilience, it comes from one of a couple of places. Sometimes it is in the middle of a big change. So we know that this change is going to take a lot out of people. And so as we work with the participants in change and as we train them on whatever the new technology is or the new ways of doing things, we might also incorporate some training around managing and understanding your own responses to change. And that's a great mm. place for resilience to fit in. So there's some models that people use around, you know, teaching people about how, how resistance to change unfolds. Resilience is a natural fit for that, too, and it's a very positive and affirming and supporting message. The other place I see people thinking about building resilience is when they know there's going to be a lot of change coming. So it's not specifically around one change, but we know that there's going to be an extended period of ongoing change that's going to potentially drain people's resources. And so let's do some upfront preparation to help them ready themselves for uh, for permanent whitewater or at least whitewater for a while. That's great. That's really great. Um I interviewed Rune uh, Tadempai from the uh, Journal of Organizational Change Management, and his topic was about resilience as well. And and his whole point was one of the greatest parts about resilience is that it is a positive thing, and that it really you know starts to have us focusing on the the themes of positive change versus you know, negative and the takeaways. So um, now I've heard it twice that it's, it's definitely a positive uh, concept to really develop. Absolutely. Now there is a caution there that I will that I will throw out, and that is that uh, I have seen people not often, but I have seen people sometimes have a reaction to resilience training that is like, okay, you're telling me you're going to throw all this change at me, and I just need to suck it up and be resilient. You know, when you, the organization, are not doing a very good job of holding up your end of the bargain and you're sending confusing messages and you're putting too much change into the system. And so I think that there's kind of a, a two-part responsibility. The organization has to do its part to make sure that it's not disrupting people any more than it needs to. And then it can ask people to step up and bring their own healthy responses to the table. Right. That's a great point. That's a great point. And you know, one thing I was thinking about is if I came to you wanting to increase my resilience, you know, what might be some things you would suggest? 
if you wanted to increase your resilience, the first thing I would do is take you through the building blocks of resilience and Mm -hmm. ask you what your superpowers already are and what additional superpowers you'd like to develop. So the the first element in building resilience is knowing how to calm yourself when you start to feel wound up. Mm -hmm. So because we know that our brains don't function as well or reason as well when they're when they're jacked up on stress and fight, flight, freeze kind of mm-hmm. things. So the first thing I would do is to ask you to tell me about what do you do to calm yourself? Is it music? Is it nature? Is it breathing? And maybe teach you a few techniques around that. And then we'd look at the resilience muscles and look at how those work in practice for you and then uh, select one or two to start to build some new habits around. So as mm. an example... Um, if you felt like it was difficult for you to sometimes go to the positive and you found that your energy was going to the worry and the negative and so on every time you encountered an unfamiliar situation, we might think about what's the equivalent of the biceps curl for that positive muscle? You know, what's your push-up for that muscle? And it could be something as simple as a gratitude practice. Um, I know that uh, some of the folks in the military who are doing work on resilience use uh, spot the good, you know, learn to spot something that's good. And so, you know, I might encourage you to adopt a daily habit of journaling about something good that happened that day. So I believe that, that those small things repeated frequently can start to build new connections and make it easier for you to, in, in that case, spot the positive. But for each of the resilience muscles, there are similar kinds of simple exercises that people can do. And when you talk about make the connections, are you talking about actually in the brain? Mm-hmm. The, the connections, the synapses, and all of that? Uh, Absolutely. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. Neuroplasticity is the is the word that scientists use for it, but the idea is that we're always building new connections in our brain. There's a mm-hmm. there's an axiom that says what fires together wires together, and so oh, when, I like it. <laughs> so so when uh, you know when we have different thoughts that are associated, then we start to build connections, and then those associations come up more readily when, you know, when we see one part of the thing, then the other part comes up. And so Mm -hmm. when we see something unfamiliar or unknown, you know, positive associations come up more readily when we've given those things a chance to develop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we're talking about this, I'm remembering the presentation that you did in our virtual summit uh, last last month, and there was a slide that was amazing to me. It was about um, plotting out almost the magnitude of your uh, I don't know, like negative impacts that you know really kind of stun you into the ability to have a certain level of resilience. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hmm, it's not you ringing had, a bell, but <laughs> you had like you had like circles where. You had different sizes oh, of yeah. situations or scenarios. Oh yeah, so um, so that's a challenge map. So challenges oh, okay. come go. from all over the place. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, so the idea is that challenges can come from lots of places and in lots of sizes. And there's a simple way to just sort of take an inventory of the different challenges that you're facing, uh, so that you can start to get your arms around them and plan how you're going to deal with them. Yeah, I thought that was really telling because so often with the well-being content that, you know, and, and theory and, and concepts, 
turning it into a practice often, I think, depends on being able to really understand it. And that particular chart really helped me understand, you know, why at some point, you know, the challenge was much heavier for me than at others. And then kind of thinking about the rebalancing for the level of resilience I had at the time. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, so you were mentioning my, my resilience book. That book has a lot in it like that. So there's instructions yeah. on how to draw one of those maps um, yeah. that, that, can, that can help you uh, create your own. Right. And I must, I must say also for the audience that that is a really great read of a book. And it's almost like self-care in action. Um, and I love the balance between the frameworks and the uh, uh, writing. It's, you know, it seems like there's, there's concepts and then there's like an example. So I would re- recommend it for people to read that, especially just even being alive in today's world, you need to read it. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. I did a workshop yesterday for some uh, healthcare providers at a local, uh, in a local system, and mm-hmm. they were asking me, where have you done, where have you seen resilience really get some traction? And mm-hmm. I was saying, I've been doing work in this area for, gosh, 20-some years, and it's really changed depending on which industries are going through change. Mm-hmm. So starting in, so when I started this, it was about the time that the utility industry was doing a lot of deregulation. And then there was a lot of stuff going on in financial services. And then, you know, you can just sort of follow the wave of change through different industries. And now healthcare, insurance, all of those things that are, that are affected by what's going on in the world are, are seeing the, the need and the value of, of this stuff. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So you've just been kind of taking a little tour across the industries and helping them to understand um, the power of resilience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It'll be that's interesting true. to see what comes next. I, I, you know, media is another one. I, I have a, uh, I have a workshop coming up for some uh, leaders within a, a media company mm-hmm. where the 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 landscape of what's happening is changing so quickly that the competitive pressures are high. Mm, wow, that makes sense. Really interesting stuff. So what have you been working on, Linda? Hmm, what have I been working on? So the, the resilience stuff, of course, is part of it, but I also have spent the past, gosh, 25 years of my life Doing work in the broader field of change management, and mm-hmm. I, and so a lot of the stuff that I learned uh, when I first started working with uh, with Daryl Connor uh, is still really valuable. I've been doing a blog series on change management classics, so I'm trying to think about the the models that have been out there for a long time and what my own experience would bring to that these days? What would I say now these days? And so I'm actually spending quite a bit of time thinking about what do I have to say in the change management space that might be useful for people based on, you know, the amount of time that I've been spending and what I've been learning. I did uh, a really interesting uh, workshop. I attended a workshop that uh, online that uh, Case Western Reserve was doing around David Cooper Ryder's positive mm. change model that uh, is based on the appreciative inquiry stuff. And so taking that and taking the neuroscience stuff and taking social network analysis and all of that and just trying to put it together into what do I have to say about this is, is where some of my thinking is going right now. Nice. 
That's nice. If people wanted to go to your website, what is your website address? My website is resiliencealliance.com. Okay, so resiliencealliance.com for all those change uh, folks who want to read up on the classics as well as learn about resilience and prosilience. And um, if we have change management classics, that's really going to, you know, that's really making me realize uh, my age, I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me too. We were all much younger when all this stuff was new. Right? Oh, my goodness. That's fabulous. Um, Well, Linda, thank you so much for your time uh, sharing all about resilience and prosilience and your thinking and um, your perspective on, on this topic. It's it's really one that I know people are curious about learning more about, so I'm, I appreciate you taking the time to share it with us. My pleasure. Thanks so much for for taking the time for the interview. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd love to have you back again sometime soon. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, listening to Teresa Moulton of Change Management Review and Dr. Linda Hoots, a writer and consultant from Resilience Alliance. Be sure to check out our website at changemanagementreview.com. We also invite you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and join us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.